Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and welcome to Devotional. It is my prayer before every episode that this podcast will be a blessing for you. Please remember to subscribe to Devotional on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening in. This way, you will be notified every time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends and loved ones so they too can be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. And now, here's today's episode. Welcome once again to Devotional. This is Pastor Ariel. We are on lesson number seven. And on this episode, we will look at Sunday, February 10th, the lesson entitled, The Prayers of the Saints. So this week has uh, stretched me. The trumpets have certainly... Uh, humbled me even more than the seals did um, and uh, of course relating also to the, the it was very pertinent you know to have a lesson that highlights that have, heaven is touched and very much aware of the prayers and our sufferings that we experience here on planet earth in the context of our, the little girl that is um, not even getting to celebrate one year of life and uh all of those things together just um, made me appreciate the scriptures even more. Appreciate that their message, not simply the way that it allows us to navigate for what's coming in the future, but definitely what it provides for us today. And this issue of prayers, right, the prayers of the saint, there's there was a very challenging uh, aspect to how the lesson presents these. And it comes be, be from the seals. Uh, in Revelation 6, verse 10, the prayers of the saints sound like this. How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And myself, along with many other commentators, used to read that and think, you know, God, we've been burnt, we've been decapitated, we've been thrown to wild beasts, we've been thrown off of cliffs, we've got to watch our children being burned to death, and then we ourselves were burned to death. It's time for you to avenge our blood. And so I thought, you know, it's justice. And there is an element, you know, in which God holds us accountable when we do things to each other. But the prayer itself, that these saints will be asking God to avenge their blood. Um, and I began to think, you know, that any other saints pray this way. And this is, of course, me. <laughs> these, these are my thoughts. You're welcome to share with me your thoughts. And if they disagree, you know, that's perfectly fine. Um, let's let's just continue studying. But as I began to reflect on prayers of saints as they were dying, I thought of Stephen. And when Stephen is dying, he actually asks God that he will not take into account the sin of being murdered to be placed against those people that are doing this. In other words, he's forgiving them. As he's being stoned, he is forgiving them, which models 
the prayer of Jesus at the cross. You know, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In the book of Acts, and this is actually just take a little quick glance at it, in Acts chapter 7, is that majestic sermon that Stephen the deacon gets to preach. And at the very end <clears throat> of that, as they're stoning him, he, he cries out, you know, Lord, if, if uh, Acts chapter 7, verse 60, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And then he dies. So they're murdering him, and God, and Stephen is saying, act, treat them as if they've never stoned me. Don't hold this sin against them. And when you contrast that prayer with the, the prayers of the saints of, you know, having their blood avenged, um, there isn't, there's both. It doesn't have to be an either or. Because um, when you look at, I mean, just like we talked about yesterday, right? Preterism, futurism, historicism, idealist. Some people believe you only can adopt one. And you should only use one method of interpreting the Bible. But we see that the Bible uses all four of them. All four of them are applicable when you apply them together correctly in, in their appropriate areas. Um, and I think the same applies here. Um, in in We read this passage already when God confronts uh, Abel after he murders his uh, brother. And he in Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, God says to Cain, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, it doesn't say what he cries out for, but we assume it's for vengeance, right? We assume it's for, actually, a much better word would be justice. And there's some, here's some beautiful aspects of that word justice. In the New Testament, justice and righteousness are translated as if they're two separate words, but in the Greek, it's the exact same word, dikaiosune. Uh, and it means justice and righteousness. We are justified. We are made righteous. All the same words. So it doesn't necessarily have to mean... Uh, only that God would bring justice for this cruelty that has been inflicted on these individuals. And I began to think, well, you know, if, if, they, if Stephen didn't pray for his blood to be avenged, using those words, he simply said, don't count this sin against them. Did God avenge the blood of Stephen? And if so, how and when? And again, these are just me thinking, right? Um, there was one individual that was very adamant and passionate in persecuting Christians and leading many of them to the same fate Stephen was led to that day. And that gentleman, I'm guessing you already know who I'm talking about, is Saul. And Saul was very much present that day. and He was holding the coats, meaning I guess he was kind of like the mafia leader, the gang leader, um, telling all the other individuals what to do or approving at least of what they were doing. And Saul um, gets confronted by Christ. And through all of this, there's no coercion. Saul could have resisted. Saul could have rebelled. But he yields. Saul um, allows this confrontation with the, the risen Christ to do something to him. Um, so Saul becomes Paul. And it dawned on me. You know, Ephesians 6 tells us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But we are actually fighting against spiritual powers in the heavenly places, spiritual powers of darkness. So in the end, yes, it is individuals that do the cruelty, the cruel deeds of, you know, leading people to martyrdom and the suffering that they are inflicted in the process. 
but who's really inspiring them and stoking that fire of misguided fire, misguided passion, is the adversary. And what better revenge against the true enemy? What better revenge, right? That the, the avenging of the blood, uh, is, like with Stephen in his case, what would have been the best revenge God could have taken on regard in regards to the death of Stephen? is to convert Saul. <laughs> That's precisely what God seeks to do, to lead Saul to repentance. And the revenge is to snatch him away from the enemy's camp. No better revenge than that, than to make your enemy now become your dearest friend. And that is exactly what happens with Saul. So he just brought a perspective, for me at least, a more fuller perspective that allows reconciliation be between those passages where Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies, to um, you know bless those that, that curse us, to do good to those that spitefully use us, um, so that we may be called the sons of God, sons of our Father in heaven. There's a, a proverb that also mentions this. Uh, Proverbs chapter 25. Uh, Proverbs chapter 25, uh, verses 21 through 22. Um, it's right after the book of Psalms. Let me get there real quick. Proverbs chapter 25. That verse, at least here, he, he became super rich. Uh, verses 21 and 22 says, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. Later on this week, we're going to be looking at coals of fire from an altar. And here, in the book of Proverbs, it's, it's linked to, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. That's a revenge. That's a godly way of revenge. Um, and if he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. And the reward is not that God will cause you know, a sinkhole in your enemy's house to manifest itself and boop, there goes his house and your enemy too. Aren't you glad you fed him and, and quenched his thirst? It's contradictory. The reward that God would bring to you as you seek to give food to your enemy, as you seek to meet their needs, even though they're mistreating you, you are doing this for them. The reward from God is that he will work heavily on the heart of this individual, seeking to lead this individual to repentance and conversion. That's exactly what he did with Saul. God worked powerfully in his life so that he could become Paul. Paul, without, of course, you know, using force or violating the freedom of the will. So this idea of avenging the blood is way richer than simply saying, because they burnt us, burnt them. Because they decapitated, decapitated us, killed them, slaughtered them. It is not this idea. It's way richer as far as the rest of the scriptures present this prayers of the saints in regards to a specific in regards to their suffering and in the majority of their cases, their martyrdom. It is, it's, you know, you could paraphrase it. Um, God used this suffering that I'm being heaped upon. Lord use this um, oppression, these persecutions, and ultimately, if you find yourself in this situation where you know you're going to die for your faith, Father, don't let this death be for nothing. I'm not asking you that on the day of the resurrection, 
I can, or you know, the white throne judgment, that I can witness how you would have destroyed these individuals that are seeking to destroy me. That's not the, the, the idea. And it does not negate the prayers asking for revenge or asking to be avenged or for justice. Like I said, that's a much better way for us to grasp it. When there's a, a call for justice for this blood that has been shed. Oh, you know, if you look at Genesis chapter 4 and you ask yourself the question, Cain kills his brother Abel and God approaches Cain and he is telling Cain, the blood of your brother is crying out to me for justice. But God does not destroy Cain. God is trying to save Cain. God is, is, is trying to redeem and reclaim um, Cain from the darkness that he's going into. He's starting to in, in, entrench himself more and more in the camp of the adversary, that spiritual power of darkness, Satan. Uh, the, that, the, the, the spirit of the power of the air, Paul calls him. And God is seeking to cause that blood of Abel to not be in vain, that death of the Abel to not be in vain, to confront Cain to the very darkness that he is oblivious exists in his heart. And so I then I thought, but wait, 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 time out. If the blood of Abel is crying out for justice, and God, even if God were to redeem Cain, same experience like with Saul, wouldn't that not provide then justice for what was done to Abel? Well, it would if God never went to the cross. But ultimately, the justice, when God, like when he, if he would redeem Cain, but in the case of Stephen, because he redeemed Paul, Maybe this is why Paul wrote so extensively and richly about grace. He understood what he received. The blood of Stephen was crying out to God for justice, crying out to be avenged. And Saul didn't experience that because Saul understood that Jesus took that revenge, received that revenge, received that punishment himself. So there's way more to this prayer of the saints asking God, you know, how long until you avenge our blood? How that avenging is going to take place? Is not God saying, oh, just wait, just wait. I'll get them for you. You know, I'll roast them really good for you. That's not the message that is being conveyed. Not from the rest of the scripture, at least. And definitely it's, it's a broader subject than just simply saying, here the saints are asking God, you know, please, we are so upset that, you know, these people made, made us die this way. We can't wait for you to get a hold of them. That is not the full perspective of how these saints are praying to God. Ultimately, we all suffer. Those that are suffering under the persecution and martyrdom of cruel hands, yes, certainly they're suffering. But these other individuals who have anger and wrath and uncontrolled inability to see truth and inability to see that they think they're serving God, yet they're going completely against them. That was Saul's situation. That is, in a more sense, a worse suffering, a worse scourge that anyone could receive to be thinking that you are doing God's service when in reality you're fighting completely against Him. So God has mercy. And God wants to provide solutions to the real issue. Yes, he will deal to the sufferings that we have on planet Earth. But 
the, the ultimate culprit behind this is Lucifer. And all the demons that have with him uh, rejoice in causing us to take our eyes off of Christ, to backslide, to compromise our faith, to pressure us, to tempt us, to seduce us, to whisper discouraging thoughts into our minds. They, they delight in, in turning us from the light of God's love to the darkness of selfishness and pride and all the other things that come along with that. So if God's going to avenge someone's blood, ultimately, primarily, I believe, he does so by trying to save that person. You know, I, I was um, at the ministerial retreat uh, a few weeks ago, and we had Pastor Stephen Wahlberg there, and he shared a story, and I read it more fully um, in his book about righteousness, about a lady that kissed her husband and daughter goodbye one day. Uh, they were, the father was going to take the daughter to school, and the husband never showed up again. She called, no answer. She became worried, began to call friends, neighbors. No one had seen them. And that evening, as she's just, you know, in panic mode, the sheriff knocks on the door, which is not good. And, of course, the news is your your, your husband and your daughter are dead. They were killed instantly. Um, a drunk driver, a drunk driver took their lives. Um, you are a widow and you are now left with no child and so what does this lady do you know this lady chose to drink this lady chose to drink and then drive and she has taken the most great precious possession that i have on planet earth it's just gone and she cannot give it back to me how does she deal with that as a christian how does she pray so she decides i'm going to visit this lady in jail i'm going to visit her and I want her to know that God has put forgiveness in my heart for her. I've wrestled with this. I've, I've you know, it's, it's, it's difficult when the emotions are so raw. But I am making a conscious choice that I want grace. I want grace for me. And if I want grace for me, then I must also want grace for her because grace is for the undeserving. I don't deserve the grace of God. And I should not, I cannot adopt the attitude, well, she doesn't deserve it because neither do I. So she begins to visit this lady in jail, and the lady in jail is just expecting, you know, insults and profanities and all these cursings. And she's like, I gotta take it. I, I know what I've done. She's in full remorse and regret. But what she finds is grace. And this is a true story. And this lady begins to visit her more frequently, and finally the lady in jail begins to catch on that she's sincere. And so she opens up her heart, and within a year, these individuals become friends what a way to avenge the blood of her husband and her daughter isn't it instead of hoping and pushing and getting all the lawyers and you know getting a loan against the house to get the best lawyer to seek for the death penalty of this lady what would that have done she was led into a path in which the blood of her husband and the blood of her daughter i think were most beautifully avenged justice was done the perpetrator became sober out of love. The perpetrator was rescued from a life of self-destruction to a life of gratitude because she got to taste grace through the choice of this widow, this lady that lost her daughter. And I believe that's, I think, a richer way of approaching the prayer of the saints. Your prayers that, Father, I teach me to pray like this. Teach me to pray that if, if something is done to me, that my actions can somehow be used by you to redeem the individual that has just done cruelty to me, the individual that has just bullied me, 
Give me wisdom to know how to redeem this individual from the enemy. Because in the end, that is the highest way of avenging blood, avenging sacrifice. And, you know, I'm thinking about yesterday's episode, we focused with Anai, this precious, precious little girl. I mean, every time I think of her, my, my eyes water up because I held her. I touched her head. I could feel the scars from previous uh, procedures that she had done. She had received in her head. She's so, you know, tiny and precious and beautiful. And for her to have experienced so much darkness already, you know, just broke my heart um, to see that, you know, this precious, innocent little being is just suffering under the scourge of sin. And I'm also thinking about another dear sister named Shirley Ann. She's in the hospital and I visited her uh, yesterday. She, she was not responsive. Yeah, she is also experiencing the decay of sin much slower. I mean, she's, you know, lived many decades on the earth. She has children and grandchildren. She's at the other spectrum of Anai. But you know what? It still hurts. And, I, and I'm thinking at both ends, Lord, I know that you will not let Anai's life just end with, you know, a burial site. Help us to pray, Lord. Help us, teach us to pray that the life of our loved ones will not just end with a gravesite, but that this little bit of life that we've been given, when it ends, will count for more. Lord, do not let my death just be of none effect, that even in my death, you can use that experience to lead others out of the enemy's camps into your love, your grace that if I have to give my life for others, that it will be one more blow into the kingdom of darkness to break that breach that would allow others to escape out of that darkness into your marvelous light. And Shirley Ann has done that throughout her life. She is, when she no longer could visit us at church, she would call me every once in a while. You say, Pastor, I know you're busy, uh, but thank you for, for um, speaking with me for just a bit. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And please, tell so-and-so at church. I was watching the sermon online and, and I heard that so-and-so is being prayed for from the front. Tell that person that I'm praying for them every day. You know, that's, that's a life that when it ends, it will, have, it will have an avenging influence. It will motivate others to live a life that matters, to live a life that counts. And God can... Uh, use even the death of individuals to become a catalyst for others to take God seriously, a catalyst for others to consider spiritual things. And for me, that's the avenging. That's the highest, most potent revenge that God could ever take upon the death of his martyrs to take the individuals that took the life of his martyrs and take those individuals and convert them, lead them to be sons and daughters of God forgive their sins, cleanse their past, and fill them with his righteousness. Satan hates that. And so don't let us be don't don't let us color the scriptures with our own, you know, uh, bents to revenge and violence. There's a better way. And this is an inspiration for me, both from Anae and Shirley Ann, and I pray that it will inspire you. Make your life count. Make your life count for the kingdom of God today.
Hello, this is Pastor Ariel, and I hope you were blessed with today's episode of Devotional. It is my prayer this resource will inspire you to spend personal time studying God's Word, including using the study tool of our Sabbath School Quarterly. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast. This way, you will be notified each time a new episode is published. And don't forget to scroll down on the show's description and click on the links for all the free resources to get the best experience out of this podcast. Also, please remember to share with your friends through social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or the one you use regularly. This way, they can also be blessed with this resource. Lastly, please consider becoming a financial supporter of this podcast. It would be much appreciated. This is Pastor Ariel inviting you to study the Bible with me again on our next episode of Devotional. Devotional.